So we're going to jump into our question. Um, if you've been here the last few weeks, you probably already know this, but we have um, been jumping into a series titled, Can I Ask That? And the whole premise behind this is we gave you guys an opportunity to ask questions. Um, like on this graphic, you see a bunch of examples, and you guys have, have given questions. You've submitted those via Instagram. Bethel Church YTH, or via um, the paper back there. Um, and we would love for you, if there are questions that pop up, we'd love for you guys to DM us on Instagram or write a question, and we would love to address those questions um, and help you maybe form a worldview or form a perspective around this question from um, the biblical context and what it means to follow Jesus and um, live in whatever this question is or work through this question um, that, that you have. And um, we're going to continue this for probably just a couple more weeks, um, and then we're going to sprinkle it kind of throughout the year. Um, we also launched a podcast platform a couple weeks ago on Spotify as well as Google Podcasts. If you just type in Bethel YTH on those podcast platforms, you'll be able to find it. We're posting the audio from our sermons as well as um, different content in the future. And so if you um, have a question, please submit that because we want to, to answer that. And really the, the heart behind this is um, we want you to realize that questions are not bad. Sometimes we, we think of questions, especially like in the context of church, as, as negative. Um, but we don't see questions as negative. We see questions as a tool to help you understand. And um, we want you to feel the freedom to be able to ask questions, not just um, in the you know, context of a series that's based around these questions. But we want you to feel the freedom to ask these questions at any moment, at any time. And um, we would love to process those questions with you. Um, so tonight, the question that we are going to work through is, is saying, oh my God, considered taking the Lord's name in vain? So I don't know if the person who submitted that question is in this room or if it, they are not in this room, but this is the question that we are going to be tackling today. Um, we're going to look at two main texts um, to unpack what taking the Lord's name in vain means and why this question is important. Um, the first text is found in Exodus 20. So if you have the Bible app on your phone, uh, I would encourage you to go there. All of what's going to be on the screen is within the Bible app for the sermon notes. So if you have it, go to the, your Bible app, go to the bottom right-hand corner. It says more. Go to events and then Bethel Youth. Make sure to save that event. Everything that's on the screen as well as more um, is on that. And um, so we're going to look at Exodus 20. And um, this passage is where this guy named Moses, um, he was the man who led the nation of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And he's given 10 commands by God on the top of a mountain called Mount Sinai. And these commands were, were to help these people um, lead, um, to lead these people into a, a close relationship with God. So these, these laws, um, this set of laws that governed the people and, and to honor God and to honor one another. They were set apart from other nations as well by these laws of how they were to relate with God and one another. And one of those commandments is, in fact, do not take the Lord's name in vain. Um, and so the next passage we're going to look at is found in Matthew chapter 5, the Gospel of Matthew. Um, scholars often refer to chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew as 
the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount was um, a revolutionary sermon preached by Jesus um, that described the way of the kingdom of God and what the character of God was like. In which, um, to, to, to explore the intent to, or the character of God was the intent of the whole Old Testament. It was to reveal God's character and his faithfulness to an unfaithful people. But there was something that was lost in the midst of the Old Testament. And what was lost was people's deep surrender of their hearts to God. So the main theme of Matthew 5-7 through is asking people to reflect on whether or not they have actually surrendered their heart to God or if they just followed the commands with their minds just because. So in this context, Jesus is talking about the name of God and the authority and the reverence that it has. And um, I'm going to invite my friend Celie to come up here. If you would stand with us, we are going to read Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. And we are also going to read Matthew 5, verses 33 through 37. Um, Like I said, if you have a paper Bible, you can turn there. It's also on the paper notes sheet like you have, or it is on the screen. Let's go for it. Exodus 20, verse 7. Okay. Do you want to hold it? Yeah, sure. Okay. What am I doing? (laughs) Exodus 20, verse 7. Yep, that one right there. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord or God, for the Lord will not hold anything guiltless who misuse this his name. Cool. And then we're going to read Matthew 5, 33 through 37. Again, you have, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, but not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven for it's God's throne, or by the earth for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem for it's city of great king. And you do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. You will need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Awesome. Thank you so much, Celie. Let's pray really quick. Jesus, we thank you for these words. We thank you for what it means. And I pray that over these next few moments, as we unpack these words, would you help us to understand um, what it means to have reverence for your name, what it means to live lives that honor your name. And um, I pray that in our small groups tonight, that you would continue to, to show us what it means to be faithful in our walk with you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you've spent time around Christians or the church for any length of time, you might have been told that using um, or heard that using an expression like OMG, I mean, you don't have to say it like that, but most of the time that's how you hear it, is uh, the phrase OMG or oh my God as, or phrases like this are what is considered taking the Lord's name in vain. And I will tell you first and foremost at the beginning of this sermon, this is, um, this is in fact correct. This is not incorrect. But when we look at the Bible, there's something so much, uh, so much more than just not using certain phrases. So let's begin by asking another question. What does it mean to, as the NIV says, misuse or use the name of the Lord in vain? So we have to understand um, what does this word vain mean. The definition of the word vain is empty, hollow, nothing, worthless, or to no good purpose. 
So when we do something, you might have heard this phrase, maybe your parents have said this because it seems like, a, like an adult phrase to say, but when we do something in vain, what we're saying and what we're communicating is that we, what we just did doesn't matter and is meaningless. Um, so for example, when you drive a car, how many people have their license or their permit? Just by a show of hands. Awesome. Congratulations. Yes, Ruth, you do have your license. Um, <laughs> so when you drive your car, something happens. It gets dirty. So when you drive on the road, dirt from the road gets all over your car. And in order to clean your car, you have to wash it with soap, with water, and some sort of wash mitt or rag. Um, if you've lived in this area for a while in Washington, you know that it rains quite a bit. Um, it, not necessarily in the summer. It still rains periodically. But during the winter and the spring and the fall, it rains a lot. Um, and so if you don't look at your weather app before you wash your car, it might just be the next day. Like you wash your car in the afternoon, the next morning you wake up, it rained overnight, and all of your work was done in vain. Meaning it was meaningless, it was pointless, and it was worthless that you just washed your car. Because even when it rains, for some reason uh, there's dirt in the rain. I'm not sure, but your car is dirty Again, um, so this question in our text that we read refers specifically to God's name being used in vain. So why is the name so important? In our culture, don't, names don't really mean a whole lot, um, which is totally fine. All three of our kids, we picked their names because they sounded cool. And we, took, we spent zero uh, energy and zero time thinking about names that meant something. And so we didn't know what our names of our kids meant until I was preparing for this sermon yesterday, and I Googled it. <clears throat> so our oldest daughter, Madison, her name means son of Matthew. So that's cool. My name is not Matthew. My name is Taylor. Um, Hayden's name means hedged valley or heathen. So that's cool. <clears throat> Ironically enough, Hayden is a wild child too, which is really funny. And then Peyton, our youngest, it means fighting man's estate. And I was having a hard time understanding what this means, but from what I was reading, it's like a person who fights, like that's their occupation, like maybe they're a soldier or they're a boxer. I don't know. Um, it's like their estate, like their house. So Peyton is like a fighting man's estate. I don't know. So you can clearly see that um, it doesn't really matter what our kids are named. We just like the name. But in ancient cultures, uh, um, it was the exact opposite. Your name meant a lot. It told people who you were, but almost more importantly, like who you belonged to. And quite frankly, the Lord's name is no different. It has meaning, it has power and authority, and is not to be used in a manner that is, quote, the definition of vain, empty, meaningless, and hollow. There's a few um, names for God that are referenced in the Old Testament, and I have them up on the screen. Jehovah. So was a name that God used for himself, meaning he is the I am, that he has always been and he always will be. Jehovah Jireh, he is the God who provides. Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. El Shaddai, God Almighty. Elohim, he's the power. These are a few names that, that is referenced and used for God, and some of them that God calls himself in the Old Testament. And this command in Exodus 20 is communicating that using God's name or representing God in a way that is meaningless, empty, and hollow is to use his name in vain. So you can see it's 
far more than just words that we say. So practically, what, is it, what does it look like? Um, how can a person take the Lord's name in vain? The first thing I want to look at is using God's name to justify your actions. This is probably the most common um, way that we use the Lord's name in vain. And unfortunately, it's something that happens within some uh, circles of Christianity is leveraging the name of God to justify doing something or to justify that something is okay or justify something is being right. And the phrase that gets used is, God told me, fill in the blank. And what they are essentially saying is they are using the name of God to bolster what they, are, what they want to do so that you cannot argue because God said it. I've experienced this personally with people that wanted to date one another. The phrase that was used was, God told us that we were going to be together. Um, so when you argue with this phrase or when you question this phrase or you combat this phrase, uh, it feels kind of weird and it feels like you're pigeonholed because it feels like what you're going against is what God told them. Even if you don't agree with it um, and even if you don't believe that that's what God told them, uh, it kind of feels like an awkward thing. And it's like, well, they're just throwing out a trump card because it's like, well, God said this so you can't argue with this. In other ways, pastors and leaders with good intentions have used this same um, phrase and the same uh, thing to speak direction and calling over people's lives. Like I said, I think it was with good intentions, but when we use phrases like, God told me you were going to be a pastor. God told me you were going to be a missionary. God told me that you fill in the blank. Kind of like the dating example I gave, paired with your position as a trusted leader of influence, it communicates that you almost have this direct line with God and you know what's going to happen or what needs to happen. And this can cause a bit of tension. You can have this in your head um, growing up, and if it's not what God is leading you to do, you can suppress those feelings because God said that this is what was supposed to happen. This is what you were supposed to do. When in reality, maybe that's not the case. Maybe you weren't supposed to pursue that, but because someone spoke that over you, it's been in the back of your head, and you're like, well, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. I like to use this phrase, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. I think these people have good intentions. I think their hearts are in the right spot. I think they are trying to be encouraging and try to give maybe a person ideas or maybe what they feel like God is, is wanting this person to do. But sometimes it can be destructive and cause tension. Um, I like to use this phrase. I feel like God is leading me to do blank. Or I feel like God it might be asking you to do and then ask the question like, what do you think? And after reading the Bible, it seems like this might be an option that honors God. And my, my goal with, with kind of speaking in this way is not to plant thoughts into people's heads of like, this is what God is saying. It's like, no, this is kind of what I feel. I don't know necessarily if this is me as a human just thinking this or if this truly is God kind of impressing something upon my heart or on my mind. Another one that we hear a lot is, um, God told me to break up with you. Maybe you entered this dating relationship with someone and later you're like, mm -mm, no, these people are not who I thought they were. They are not the person that I want to invest my time into. I do not want to continue to get to know you. I don't see a future with them. And so we like to just slap this card and say, God told me that I was supposed to break up with you. Why don't you just be honest with them? <laughs> maybe tell them the real reason so maybe they can grow as a person 
Don't just throw out God's name as a trump card. Um, We often use God told or God wants me to be happy to simply justify sin in our life that we are unwilling to repent of. Jeffrey Poor said this in an article I was reading. He says, "If, if what God is telling you doesn't line up with what is found in the Bible, it's not God speaking, it's you justifying. I think this is so, so important. So this is one category of taking the Lord's name in vain. But in the ancient world, part of what made your word binding was by attaching the name of your God to the promises that you made or the oaths that you made or the vows that you made. And the Hebrew people, the people in Scripture, were not exempt from this. They were also a part of this and they practiced this. Part of bringing dishonor to the Lord's name was to not follow through on a promise or an oath that you made. Leviticus 19.12, Do not swear falsely by my name, and so profane the name of the Lord. The name of your God, I am the Lord. And then Numbers 30.1-2, Moses said to the heads of the tribes of Israel, This is what the Lord commands. When a man makes a vow, excuse me, a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything he said. One scholar said this in regards to Numbers chapter 30. Jewish teachers and leaders invented a system by which they could determine whether a vow had to be kept. Extra-biblical literature indicates that many rabbis did not consider it a sin to break a vow if it was not made explicitly in the name of God. So Jews would go as far as to swear to the gold of the temple or to the sky or to the heavens because that would mean that there's a way out of their oath. Since it was not made to God specifically, this was their escape route from following through. And Jesus references this idea in Matthew chapter 5. He says again, we read it earlier, again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for, it's the God, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. And most of this content of Matthew chapter 5 through 7 was Jesus redirecting the focus of the Jewish laws back to the person's heart. Right here, Jesus is telling this crowd, he's he's essentially saying God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He is the creator of all things. No matter if you swear to the sky or you swear directly to God, he is present. So he's saying no matter what, your oath will be in the name of the Lord because he has authority over everything. In Matthew 15, Jesus gives another example of how a person's life might be taking the Lord's name in vain. Verses 8-9, through nine, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. In this passage, Jesus is talking to the Jewish religious leaders of the day. He's quoting the prophet Isaiah and saying that these men do not actually love God with their hearts. The disconnect causes their worship of God to be in vain. And the Apostle Paul in Romans 12 says the Christian, the Christian's whole life is worship unto God. Therefore, the Pharisee's life was in vain because it lacked reverence, affection, and a love for God that was beyond the surface. They used, they lived a life 
that used the Lord's name in vain. They used his name to build something for themselves. They used the name of God to have authority over people. I think God is more concerned with the posture and affections of our heart rather than specific words that come out of your mouth. On the other hand, I do believe that there is wisdom needed in how you approach language. In the book of James in the Bible, he describes the tongue as the rudder of a ship and also a spark that can set a forest ablaze. Your tongue has the ability to guide your life and to spark things in your life. The questions we need to ask ourselves personally is this, is my worship of God in vain because of the words that I use? Do I claim with my, with my words, do I claim that I follow the way of Jesus? Do I claim with my words that I'm a Christian, but my life does not reflect the character of God? Because Scripture would say that your life is in vain. You're, you're following Jesus in vain. You are taking the Lord's name in vain. Do I use the name of God for personal gain or to bolster my words? If so, we need to repent. We need to ask for forgiveness and allow the Holy Spirit of God to transform our hearts on a daily basis to become more like Him. As a Christian, is using the Lord's name as an expression or flippantly as an adjective of a swear word bringing honor to Him? I want to leave you with one last, one last kind of thought. Your words have meaning and should be used in reverence to God. So as we looked at this text and thought about it, I want to give you my personal thoughts. I didn't give you my personal thoughts on last week's sermon about profanity. If you want to hear about profanity, you can go to our podcast and listen to it. But I want to give you my thoughts about this. I personally don't think the text supports a Christian uses, using phrases like, oh my God. I don't think it is helpful or reverent of God's name to be used in a flippant manner. I think as people that follow, that claim to follow the way of Jesus, God's name has reverence. It has power and has authority and should be used in such a way that reflects that. So what we're going to do is we're going um, to jump into our small groups. We're going to talk through a few different questions. We'll process this, talk together, um, and then your small group is going to um, release you or dismiss you at about 8.15. So uh, the girls are in the front of the room. Guys are in the back. High school is along this wall, and um, middle school is along this wall. Have an amazing small group time. <laughs>